Get ready to dive into the world of mystery and justice without warning podcast, questioning the truth, dissecting the evidence, and demanding justice. In this episode, Tom, you were able to ask Brenda questions about what happened that evening, and she chose to take the fifth. Would you have had your client take the fifth? Is it because she's guilty? She has to. She had no choice because there's no statute of limitations for murder in Texas. So that if she waived her right to assert the Fifth Amendment, then she opens herself up to criminal prosecution. Now, she attempted to do that initially. She started to give an answer about wanting to talk to Pam, but I didn't want her to uh, not take the fifth because strategically I thought it would be more beneficial for her taking the fifth in front of the jury than explaining away. And additionally, I'd taken her deposition and she she hadn't uh, told any stories. So it may not have been to the advantage of the to have her um, selectively take the fifth. I didn't want her currying any sympathy by sitting at the party's table there next to us, crying or attempting in some way to curry sympathy from the jury. I felt like if she took the fifth in my questioning as the first witness, that it would totally turn the jury off and that the jury would not be interested in uh, anything she said or did thereafter. I I didn't think she was capable of currying favor after she took the Fifth Amendment. The issue about whether or not I could cross-examine Brenda Lazaro right away is one that I had to reconcile because I asked her completely leading questions. And normally in that situation, you ask the judge if you could treat the witness as hostile. But because she was my opponent and Andrew didn't want to uh, interfere with my examination, and the judge knew that she was the opponent, I was able to lead her rather than asking her non-leading questions. It would have been form over substance to have objected and my having to ask the judge, you know, can I lead the witness? It just, it, it would have been silly. Could Andrew G. have objected to what you were asking her, Tom? Well, at that point in the trial, I don't think it would have made any difference in the way I was approaching it because my questions were leading and she was the first witness, so we didn't have any evidence in yet. but. I felt the evidence that ultimately would come in would support 
all of the inferences that the jury could take from her taking the fifth to each one of my questions. If that does that make sense? Energy was in a situation because if he objects, the jury basically gets to assume the the truthfulness of my questions answer, and he looks bad by seemingly trying to get the jury to ignore what I asked by making the objection. So he's in he's in a very difficult situation uh, if he objects to my questions. In the trial process, can a witness take one answer and answer it and then refuse to answer another one and take the fifth? That, that's a good question, Sheila. The person taking the fifth runs a risk if she takes the fifth to certain questions and selectively answers others. In that situation, the client could potentially be waiving her right to take the Fifth Amendment in a criminal trial because the prosecutor will argue that if she picked and chose questions to answer in the civil trial, that she waived the right to take the Fifth at all. And that would be a, a very disastrous result for the person trying to assert their constitutional right to take the Fifth Amendment. It's really not even telling a story. It's really telling what happened that night. Yes. Which is truth versus story. You know, you really spoke from Jonathan what happened that events of, you know, from when they dating in November up until February 2nd. You know, you really laid out that timeline. I, I think it was important to um to lay out what i think the jury is going to see later and have her deny it um and then tie it all together in closing argument at the very beginning of lazaro's testimony she wanted to answer one of my questions and i suppose she had a, a rehearsed answer to that question. And I objected to her attempting to uh, testify other than taking the fifth because I thought it was to my client's benefit for her to continuously take the fifth because it just looks so bad. And if she would have answered one of my questions, and been able to try to excuse herself, that might have had some effect on the jury, though, in, in retrospect, I doubt it would have had any effect. The jury could conclude pretty quickly in this suit that Brenda Lazaro murdered Jonathan Cruz. I know I had probably a deer in headlights moment when she first started speaking and said, I would like to answer the question, however, and I think all of us just kind of like paused and looked around like, holy crap, is she really starting to talk here? When all we've anticipated was her taking the fifth and here she starts to answer the question. I know I was shocked, Sheila. What was your impression? Of course, I was shocked. But the fact that she had a 
very rehearsed response and it was mechanical and robotic was interesting. It wasn't, I am in the worst situation. My boyfriend, the love of my life is dead. And I have the opportunity to say something to the family. It was very, very mechanical to me. But was I shocked? Did any of us anticipate that? Not one of us anticipated her testifying. That was one of those drop the mic moments. When she was forced to decide whether or not she's going to testify further, she went back to taking the fifth. Right. And at that moment, um, the attorneys for the Cruz family and Brenda had a sidebar with the judge, hence the name of the episode, Sidebar. They had the sidebar with the judge about the complete instructions on how she was to proceed with pleading the fifth because she wasn't going to do anything but that. She was not going to testify and tell what happened that night. This might be a, a dumb question, but Andrew G., her attorney, chose not to ask Brenda any questions. Had he asked anything, would she have pled the fifth to his questions? She would have had to, or she waves it. In my mind, what he could have done, he could have asked her questions about her family, the difficulties when she was growing up that she witnessed the murder of her friend. But that would have been risky on, on Andrew G.'s part, and, and he he did a good job. But he, he took the cases as it was. It was, a, it was a difficult case for him. That's an interesting point about Andrew G. questioning. I didn't know he could have, Danielle. I thought he wanted to get her off the stand as quickly as possible. He sure did. That's an excellent point. The jury would have seen manipulation all over that. What I noticed when they were taking a break, Brenda stood there, looked at each juror as they exited, smiled at them. They were not engaging with her at all. Was that an indicator? Yes. Uh, um, my mind it was because she's a, she, she's a manipulator and... They, they saw that, I think, from the texts uh, that she exchanged with Jonathan. They could see those. So it's pretty clear from those texts that she's trying to manipulate Jonathan and make him jealous, and Jonathan wasn't biting. I thought it was an interesting choice to be smiling at the jury because it's not a smiling kind of trial. No, but she doesn't know how to... There's there's something about her inability to uh, process feelings that appropriate reactions. For example, she had completely inappropriate reactions to Jonathan's kind gestures to friends and former girlfriends, rather than just accepting that he's a nice guy and that his communications with his former girlfriends are part of being a mature uh, young man and, and demonstrated that he's a stand-up guy. 
her getting off the stand and when the jurors were walking away, her smiling was certainly an inappropriate reaction. However, when you were asking her questions for an hour and a half, she had no emotion. None. So she had inappropriate reaction by smiling, yet she had no tears. She had no emotion whatsoever, sadness, anger, frustration, nothing. I mean, it was a very bland response and no appropriate emotion was shown when the love of her life, whether she says she did it or not, there was no emotion shown. There wasn't. But remember, you don't know how that's going to play out. And generally, lawyers tell their clients to show no emotion or to, you know, don't don't shake your head. Don't don't mug for the jury while uh, someone else is testifying. Let me ask you about this. When the video was shown with Pam Cruz of Jonathan and the family video that they showed at the memorial, and you see your boyfriend on the video and all his life, not one tear, not one anything, is that normal? Do you tell oh. your client not to react to that? That's a difficult one because remember, this is this case is very similar to the Jody Arias case, uh, as far as you know, murdering the boyfriend is concerned, and the jury sure didn't buy into Jody Arias's fake um, crying over the, her her former boyfriend. So again, it's difficult to say how that would have played out because. In this case, she's incredibly manipulative. The jury probably would have read into that the fact of how just how manipulative she can be by trying to manipulate their feelings. Well, the judge took a recess after Brenda's being questioned, and Brenda walked off to her husband, and they stood and embraced for about. 30 minutes during our break he held her the whole time rubbing her back and so I think that was also manipulating everybody else that was in that courtroom I, I thought it was so inappropriate yeah but in her defense I, I don't know what she could have done admit she did what she did well accept. she doesn't want to go to jail so she doesn't know how to process um, things like that. So she always goes back to manipulation and feeling manipulation, uh, manipulation of others' feelings. I'm going to say this. I understand you don't want to go to jail and accept what you did, but I guarantee Jonathan didn't want to die that night. No, he did not. And no. his family didn't want him to die. She thrust situation on people who didn't expect it and didn't deserve it. My opinion is Jonathan did not have lawyers and a jury to decide if he got the death penalty or not. No, no, he didn't have uh, that opportunity. Right. If you have never been to a trial, you don't know what to expect. You see it on TV and you expect to sit down in a courtroom and think you're going to kind of see the same stuff. It's relatively boring. 
except when you know the case and you're hearing the details that you've heard about as Tom did, he laid it all out. This is your first time, Danielle. Yeah, my emotions were all over the place. I mean, I remember being so nervous and asking Taylor Shaw if I can even put my pen and paper and bottle of water on the table. Like, am I allowed to do this? You know, and he's like, yeah, of course. You know, I don't think I ever got that pad of paper and pen back because I was sitting right behind Tom and Taylor in, in order to you know, I guess converse with Taylor if I needed to about something and you were doing the audio visuals for the evidence, but it was really like, I was very aware of my surroundings. And I remember thinking, wow, I really wish this was recorded so I could watch it again because I don't know if I'm going to remember everything because it's kind of like your five senses, you know, you're smelling the room, you're seeing the room, you're hearing everything and every sense is heightened in a different way. And it was just a really, really full circle moment from when I started with you learning about Jonathan's case to actually being in the courtroom for the verdict. It was just such a moment and I will never forget you know, when the attorneys would have a sidebar or when the jury was looking at Brenda or for a while I was sitting really right next to her husband for an entire day. And just even the emotions of being right next to her and her husband, just I can't, I can't even I can't explain it. Now, imagine being the family and spending nine years to get to that moment just to have unbiased people to hear Jonathan's story and for those people to decide what happened and whether or not Brenda shot Jonathan. And what I appreciate the most about the jury, they didn't have any political aspirations and they heard every bit of evidence Brenda had the opportunity to say, this isn't what happened. She chose to take the fifth. The jury looked at the evidence, listened to what Tom asked. Andrew G. had the opportunity to dispute anything. And they said, you are guilty. Yeah, they said she was guilty based on the evidence that they saw and how it was presented, rightfully so. But going back to what we just talked about earlier in the episode about her reactions and kind of smiling and nodding at them as they walked away, which, yes, your attorney is telling you not to react to testimony or whatever, but you can have a smile for the jury, but yet you can't shed a tear for the love of your life tragically dying. It was just because that's such an inappropriate reaction to both of those scenarios that I just said, it's just so weird. I I don't know that she knows better. Well, no, I mean, listen, we've worked this case for how many years now? And even just seeing the unreasonable text messages between her and Jonathan or her and other people, even her and Danny or Facebook messengers, we see that she just doesn't have a sensitivity chip 
when it comes to people other than herself. So I always go back to the family. The jury was wondering what happened to the city of Capel? What happened to the DA? Those were the questions that the jury asked Tom Shaw after the trial was over. What happened and what's going to happen going forward? They were happy to make calls to the district attorney's office or write to the Dallas Morning News or Axios in support of this going further because they heard the evidence, they saw the evidence. They're wondering, why are we in civil court? Where is Jonathan's voice? Well, and I know we did this season because so many people have been following on Facebook and Patreon and season uh, four of our podcasts where we covered Jonathan's case. They wanted to see where it ended up. Well, this season is about where it ended up. It ended up in court with a verdict. And how many times do we really get to take the listeners into a trial? And so we are going day by day into the trial. This is what happened this day, this day, this day. We had the expert. We got you know, the opening statement. We have Brenda pleading the fifth. And so we read every single question that Tom questioned Brenda on, as well as her answer. And I think it's important for the listeners to be able to not just have us summarize what happened. They actually heard every single question that was answered of her in court. And I think that is a great opportunity for the listeners to be able to have that. Without Warning Podcast, available now on all major podcast platforms.